Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. I'm kind of a big deal. Whenever you hear the music, Colin, take it away. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuis, Nick Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon. It is... Wednesday, March 29th, on the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini alongside me, Colin McLaughlin. As, uh, we got a good show for you today. We're going to talk about the Shepherd Pro Day from yesterday. Uh, a lot of good stuff from the five Shepherd athletes participating in the Pro Day. We uh, talked about some high school baseball and softball from yesterday. A uh, good game last night we had between Hedgesville and Martinsburg. And then we'll get into some more uh, national sports basketball Hall of Fame class announced. Uh, the MLB season starts tomorrow, so we're kind of taking a look at that. And uh, the NFL owners meetings going on, along with some regional stuff as well. So, good show here today. How are you doing today, Colin? Doing all right. It's going to be a full day of uh, local sports here for the most part. As you just mentioned, the pro day yesterday, a lot of fun, a lot of people on hand, a lot of media members i know um all but the dallas cowboys were there in attendance to watch with uh some scouts there from each team so let's get into it yeah and uh according to tyson near the uh cowboys were interested in him still just or were interested in coming just didn't have a regional scout available so uh pretty much all 32 teams showed some interest but uh you know some good stuff yesterday we were able to see uh I think a really impressive performance from Joey Fisher put up 30 or 40 reps on the bench press, wasn't it, on the 225? So. Yeah, it was either 40 or 38, but still it would have been if he was invited to the combine, which he unfortunately was not and should have, in my opinion, uh, the most out of anybody there. So yeah, definitely he ran an a impressive four nine forty 40-yard dash. Uh, so very impressive day for him. Tyson looked like Tyson. You know, he didn't do any of the individual uh, drills, but he did do his obviously his throws. I thought Brian Walker really stood out, even though you know his chances of making it are kind of slim. I think as a tight end um, coming from Division Two, uh, he caught or made a lot of nice catches. Um, you know, really showed his ability to route run and, and do some good things. So I think Brian's going to get some sort of shot to play professionally uh may not be at the nfl level but i think it will get some sort of shot to play um ronnie brown you know ran a four three eight forty, which is solid you know not quite the number he wanted but still a really good number uh and we'll see if he gets any opportunities as a special teams guy and uh you know solomon alexander i thought had some decent showings in the drills but uh we know it's kind of a stretch for Solomon realistically to make it, but you know you got to appreciate him going out there and giving it his all and trying to live out his dream. And we'll see. You know, I mean, you never know uh, what can happen. So, I thought all these guys had had good showings uh, for what they're trying to do at the next level. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to get to see them and just the different workouts that they uh, had for them, trying to get different angles because uh, we were there, obviously 
covering it and we had some interviews that are already posted on youtube we'll show them here shortly as well on today's show and then uh we'll also be posting on youtube a little bit later more of the uh highlights from the pro day as you already saw about a almost a minute there of some of the things that they were doing yeah so a lot of stuff yesterday let's go ahead and hear from uh the players along with coach mccook we'll start with coach mccook just his thoughts on the pro day and then we'll hear from joey and solomon alexander uh we just did interviews with ronnie and and tyson and uh brian walker so we didn't interview them yesterday because there wasn't much to really talk about besides how they did and uh, we don't have access to the official numbers uh the scouts each took their own numbers and then uh, that wasn't made public so we don't have the official numbers but just kind of talking to those guys seeing some of the stuff that was posted on twitter you know stuff like that we kind of have an idea uh but we'll go ahead and we'll uh play coach mccook right now we're here at the shepherd pro day with shepherd head football coach ernie mccook coach uh what did you kind of take away when you were watching today uh with your uh four guys four guys doing the drills and then tyson throwing as well well, I was really proud of them. Uh, you know, for them to have the opportunity to be able to participate in this and have such a great turnout from the NFL, the media, and, and our fans, I mean, what a great day. Probably the best uh, pro day that I've seen here ever. I got to think it's as good as anywhere in small college football. Uh, I thought it was a great opportunity for our guys to show how hard they work and how hard they prepared to be able to try and give a shot and play in the next level. I was also really excited that we could offer opportunities to other small college kids in the state of West Virginia. We had representatives from Wheeling, Concord, Charleston, um, along with the University of Buffalo. So all in all, man, what a great day. You mentioned how this is obviously probably the biggest pro day. A lot of that has to do with Tyson, but also the fact that your program has uh, had a lot of success. So what do you think, I guess, this does for the program and shows about the shepherd program uh moving forward you know i i i think what i'm most proud of is how how well the scouts receive our guys and all the feedback that i get from our from the scouts about our our players that they evaluated is not only the good players but man they carry themselves well in one-on-one interactions and that's a credit to our culture and those young men that participated today uh i'm i couldn't be more proud of our football team to be the head football coach here, that's exciting. And to be able to have players like Tyson, Joey, Ronnie, Brian Walker, Solo Alexander all participating today. How do you think they did overall uh, from your perspective? Well, I, I'm, I'm their biggest. I'm a big fan of all of them. Uh, you know, I won't say I'm their biggest. They all have big fans. But, I, man, I thought they did a tremendous job. I thought Tyson was on point, very serious, focused. I thought Joey, this what he did in the weight room, what he did with his 40 times and his workout with the Jets O-line coach. Um, I thought Ronnie w- moved well, caught the ball well, and I thought Brian Walker was showed why he had so many catches and how much why he had such a successful year. I mean, he I think every ball that he caught, he got he you know just ate it up, tucked it away, and punctured the defense. So I think they all showed out very well, and I and I think uh, I think good things are going to happen for him. Coach, thank you for your time. Sure thing. Thank you, guys. We're here at the Shepherd Pro Day with uh, former Shepherd Rams defensive lineman Solomon Alexander. Solomon, how do you think you uh, did today at the Pro Day, and uh, what did you kind of hope to show the scouts over here? Uh, I, I think I feel I feel like I did good. You know, my my thing was to show the scouts coming from a D two school. You know, a lower level D lineman can still get it, just like the big dogs. No matter how big, 
size or strength don't matter. It's what I can do on the field and put out there. This was your only season at Shepard was this past season uh, as a grad student. Uh, what did you kind of take away from your final year of college football and getting to play here at Shepard? Uh, my number one goal coming here was to win the championship, and we did that. Winning the regional championship, you know, I got me a ring. And I just want to excel and be great at the game that I fell in love with. Transferring from a different school, you know, it was it was different at first, but they welcomed me with open arms, and I love the Shepard Rams. You talked about being a little bit undersized compared to a traditional defensive lineman. Uh, how do you think that, though, gives you somewhat of an advantage? Because typically, you know, they talk about pad level and stuff like that. And in some, in some ways, that can really help you out. Yep. Uh, based on my height, you know, I'm shorter already. So really not no rise up. But, you know, just being agile and quick on my feet helps me out a lot because a smaller guy, I'm faster. Overall, what's your uh, pre-draft process been like? It's been hard. Um, just been grinding. I trained in New Jersey, Berlin, New Jersey, and I live in Pennsylvania. So I travel. And, you know, it's all about the grind and what I put in and the time I put in these last three months to get here. You know, it was a great opportunity. I feel like I put everything out there on the field. All right, Solomon, thank you, and good luck the rest of the way. Yeah, thank you. Here at the Shepherd Pro Day with former Shepherd offensive lineman Joey Fisher. Joey, uh, how do you feel you did today at the Pro Day? I uh, came out here and showed out. Uh, you know, I did get the invite to the combine, so I had a little trip on my shoulder. Um, had the blueprint, you know, watching them guys do their numbers, do their time, stuff like that. Uh, came here with a game plan and executed it. I feel like I did really good. Talked a lot of scouts, um, you know, got some dinners and lunches set up, so I'm really happy uh, with, with uh, today's performance. You mentioned having those set up. Uh, what's kind of next for you after the pro day as you prepare for the draft? Um, definitely we're, we're seeing more 30-30 invites going to be coming in. Um, you know, right now we got a local day with Baltimore on April 4th uh, and heading down to Washington April 11th. Uh, me and Ronnie will be attending that. I'm not sure about Tyson yet, but uh, I know me and Ronnie have confirmed to go down there April 4th to Baltimore and then 11th to the Commanders. Overall, how do you feel this process has gone? Uh, you, you, know, you did well at the NFL PA Bowl. Uh, you got invited to the Senior Bowl. Unfortunately, you were injured so there, right. but still got to meet with some teams. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a great experience, you know, coming out there and be able to play against guys, you know, at the FBS level. Uh, you know, going to the PA game, be able to dominate, hold my own, and get the invite up was a big deal. Um, I felt great. Um, obviously, you know, I had that setback with the hand, but came out today, hit 40 on the bench press, kind of put that behind me, you know, hit the bag a little bit. Scouts know, hey, I'm, I'm healed up and ready to go. Um, like I said, it was a great experience. I'm glad I got to do it and, you know, get down to Ravani on the PA game and then, uh, you know, have the experience with uh, Tyson at the Senior Bowl, uh, being, you know, staying in the same hotel room, being able to talk it up and stuff like that was a fun experience. Last one here, uh, Shepard, as a program, this is the biggest pro day, you know, most teams, most uh, people just in attendance. Uh, what's that been like to be a part of Shepard over the last few seasons and uh, see the growth of the program? Yeah, it's definitely great, you know, starting all the way from the community. You know, they've always had our backs, always here, whether it's up or down. Um, is, you know, definitely my great choice to come here. I recommend everybody coming here. Uh, you know, the coaching staff is great. The teachers are great. The community is great. The school is great. Um, you know, hopefully with us being able to come out here and perform and hear all my guys' names called in April, we'll put Shepard even more on the map and uh, hopefully bring some nice recruits in and be able to show, uh, you know, have a good season for uh, Shepard this upcoming season. All right, Joey, thank you, and we wish you the best of luck. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. As we heard from Joey Fisher, Ernie McCook, and Solomon Alexander here on the Sports Mix, uh, my biggest takeaway from yesterday, Colin, is that Joey Fisher and Tyson Bajan are going to get drafted. And yes. I also think there might be a slight chance that Joey Fisher goes a lot earlier than I originally had thought. And Tyson could as well. But I just think with him being a versatile offensive lineman uh, and his position gives him a little bit of an edge in some of the, uh, you know, for the draft because uh, offensive linemen, you know, tend to go higher, especially being a D2 guy. 
and uh, you know, for Tyson, it, it's tough as a quarterback. I'm not saying Tyson looked bad or anything. I thought he looked great yesterday. But I just think that Joey has a little bit more versatility with his position, and uh, that could help him a lot. And I think that solidifies him as an NFL draft pick in my eyes. So I think both those guys are getting picked, and I think we're going to see opportunities for Ronnie Brown and maybe even Brian Walker as well at the next level. Uh, yeah, but, I think they all have a chance, and we already know, at least for Joey, that he's going to be playing professional football no matter what, as he was already drafted to the Houston Gamblers in the true. USFL, but it just depends on if he gets drafted in the NFL. And I know uh, just seeing some social media yesterday, especially with uh, his bench press that we already talked about now going viral and even being tweeted out by the uh, NFL Twitter yeah. page, and people were saying that he could be a four- to six-round area pick uh which we probably didn't really expect at first and we weren't truly sure but it's definitely a good thing for joey and uh tyson he's tyson i mean right we could see him as early as a fourth round maybe if maybe even the third even take a risk in the third but we'll have to wait and see yeah I, i'm excited about it i think that these guys have worked really hard they're all really good guys um and you're rooting for them and you know the Ravens and the Commanders are both looking at Joey and uh, Ronnie individually that we know of. And those two guys having the same agent, I think, helps them a lot, too, because they can yes. kind of be linked together and potentially uh, end up in the league. So, rooting for these guys a lot. But uh, that does it for this first segment, I think. I think so, too, as this segment was brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com for more. Apologize. There is the Facebook feed that I had up was uh, still playing in the background, but we'll be back for more of the sports mix after this on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. You're tuned in to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. We welcome you back to this Wednesday edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini, Kyle McLaughlin, happy to have you with us here on the show today. Spencer out the next two days. Uh, but Colin, we had some exciting high school baseball and softball action last night. Um, we were at Hedgesville, the baseball complex there for Hedgesville Martinsburg. Um, you know, a good game there, kind of an interesting game though. Uh, obviously, we had the postponement on March seventeenth due to the rain in the middle of the game. So at the time, we picked it up. In the bottom half of the third inning, with Martinsburg leading one nothing, Hedgesville uh, picks up, you know, three runs in that bottom of the third due to an error by the Bulldogs that extended the inning. And then from that point forward, it really seemed like Hedgesville was in control. Obviously, Martinsburg came back to tie things up at three, uh, but the Eagles' offense, the way they're playing, coming off an emotional win against Jefferson, I think all that really lifted them last night. Braylon Connor hits a late home run to get the eight to four win over the Bulldogs, but it looks like the Eagles are going to be a real problem, or at least if, you know, we are heading into sectional play right now. They, they certainly are playing with a lot of momentum and playing good baseball at this point in the season. Yeah, we were mentioning at the beginning of the year, Hedgesville's one of the teams that came into this season with the most experience, arguably, and we, we were waiting for that experience to really be the difference 
in games, and this week it's definitely shown with a tough win against the Jefferson Cougars a few days ago, and now last night in a game that you were down only one nothing in, but after a very emotional win against Jefferson, something that I believe uh, Coach Grove said that this group of guys has never done before at any level, middle school all the way up to high school, I'd never beat Jefferson. So after that, finally now at home getting to carry that momentum into a game against Martinsburg, who at the start of this week was number two in the state and undefeated and now have dropped uh, two tough losses to some EPAC teams. But I, I still don't think that you have to worry if you're a Martinsburg fan and I want to pose this to you and get your thought it thoughts because of the start Martinsburg had it obviously put a huge target on their back and with the week that they have this week we got to see them against Washington you get to see them against Hedgesville last night Thursday we get to see them against Musselman and then Saturday they have a double header it's tough for Martinsburg because of the target that they put on their back to really go out each week and get wins because you expect the teams, because of them being undefeated at the start of this week and being number two in the state, to throw their aces against Martinsburg. Well, Martinsburg had its ace going yesterday. In That's true. River. So um, I think for Martinsburg, too, you know, and I'm not saying anything like they're a bad team. I think they're a good team. I think all... The teams really in the EPAC can beat each other is what we've seen early on in the year. But that one quality win they had out of their 4-0 start was over Jefferson. And Jefferson's off to kind of a slow start this year. Yes. So I'm not saying that they were overrated or anything like that. But, I mean, they did beat up on some lesser teams. Uh, they got a win over Spring Mills, which was a 10-run rule. So... I definitely think they're a good team. They obviously were swinging a really hot bat, but this is how baseball goes. You know, you have your ups, you have your downs. How do you respond to that if you're Martinsburg? I think they'll respond well. Uh, they have enough talent to be competitive, and these two losses were to solid teams in Washington and Hedgesville that you know are going to give you a great effort. Um, you know, for Washington, it was kind of not an ideal type game, so you should have taken advantage of that, I think, if you're Martinsburg. You know, that one hurts a little bit more than last night. Last night, uh, you had a one nothing lead, but one nothing is far from safe. And Jackson Rest is one of the better pitchers in the EPAC, and he kind of shuts you down. But with the situation against Washington, I think that's the more disappointing loss of the two because Colin Reed had to exit the game uh, due to, you know, some sort of injury or just arm tightness or whatever it might have been. And you didn't take advantage of them having to go into their bullpen uh, and throw some young guys that weren't expecting the pitch probably that much that night. So um, I think that one, if you're Martinsburg, hurts a little bit more than the, the loss last night. But I think they'll bounce back. Um, and, yeah, they were 4-0. Yeah, they were 2 in the state. But it's so early in the season that I don't know if that meant as much as maybe we thought it did at the time. So I still think they're really good. I think uh, Hedgesville's really good. I think Musselman's really good. I think all the teams in that section are going to be very competitive. And so far, the other section is getting kind of interesting as well because it looks like the gap between Jefferson and Washington maybe not as much as it has been in the past. And uh, we're going to see some really competitive series. But I still think Jefferson's going to be really good when we get to the end of the year because 
they have John Lowry Sr., and there's no reason not to believe that he'll have those guys playing a little bit better baseball. Last night, uh, let's go ahead and hear from the players for the Hedgesville side along with Coach Grove before we get into the other games from last night. Let's do it. I think mostly it was because you guys wanted me to feel even shorter than I already was. You had to go with two tall people instead of one. But I'm here with Jackson Urest as well as Lane Delauder. Congrats on the win, guys. And I'm starting with you because 11 days ago you were the starting pitcher in this one and held them to one run. And then today a triple, three RBIs. Just talk about the win. Uh, you know, we we started off a little bit like – Yesterday we had a great win, so I think that carried over to today. We were all fired up from the get-go, no heads down, no nothing. We were all fired up, came out here swinging the bat hot. He came out here throwing strikes. You know, that, that carried the team. We all had our heads high, just ready to go. Speaking of those strikes, it really seemed like, Jackson, for you today, it was the breaking ball that you were really able to control. Just talk about your performance there on the mound. Uh, I mean, breaking ball is pretty much what it's always been for me. Uh a lot of people say fastball is my secondary pitch, and I don't necessarily think they're, they're wrong. So, Back-to-back wins now against two of the premier teams here in the Eastern Panhandle Athletic Conference. Just talk about the confidence that you guys have after these two wins and your plans for the rest of the week. Uh, you know, we can't can't take these teams slightly. we got to come out tomorrow against these Hardy, come out hot, ready to go. Can't take them slightly. It's not going to go our way that we want it. Then for you, Jackson, specifically today, what do you think was the biggest difference? Uh, like Lane said earlier, I think the win yesterday boosted everyone's confidence, and uh, we came out excited. And you know, honestly, I didn't think they were ready to play like we were, but we came out and did our job. So, all right, guys, appreciate it. Congrats on the win. I'll swap you guys out now with your coach. Congrats. Wait for Coach Grove here. Send it back up to you guys no, for now, Sarah Grove of the Hedgesville Eagles. Coach Grove, congrats on the win today. It really seemed like yesterday's momentum carried into today i think so and i mean i think that these kids just needed a win like that yesterday and uh timing is good and uh starting to find the barrel a little bit bottom of lineups producing and jackson was himself i mean we he struggled a little bit tonight i think he's he needs about a week off but uh overall good team effort made a few careless errors but uh that happens in baseball and i'm sure martinburg feels the same way so just happy to come out on top heard you with your team there in the huddle talking about potentially wanting to go 5-0 and this week. Uh, how much would just that mean to your program and propel them for the rest of the year? Oh, for sure, because we lost a game, a pretty careless game to Greenbrier East on Saturday and uh, really you know, left us a little bit not, not where we needed to be. So then to come back out and to play the caliber of teams we played these two days uh, – is what we have to do and what we expect, and it doesn't always happen that way. It's just a short season, and uh, or it's a long season and a short game and a short season. So um, hopefully that we can just carry this momentum. We got East Hardy coming up tomorrow. They had four home runs in one game already this year, so uh, got to get them. Then I don't know much about Mountain Ridge, and then Spring Mills will probably face their uh, stud on Friday night. So we got a lot of work left to do. All right, anything else that you want to add, Coach? Braylon Connor played a heck of a game. Uh, I said I said in the dugout, good teams extend the game in the sixth and seventh inning with runs, and we did that. And you know, it was just one swing of the bat. You know, you score one or two, it really kills the spirit late when you're already down. So happy with him and everybody for coming out from first pitch ready to hit and play. All right, appreciate the time. Congrats on the win. Back up to you, Nick and Trip. Gone. Thank you, gone. You're welcome. 
apologize there about Trip's the not here, though, so why'd you audio for trip? those on the radio side had it turned all the way up, but still wasn't loud enough. Yeah, apologize for that. But uh, back to the games going on last night. We had uh, Jefferson Musselman going at it, and the Appleman get the win. They're now 5-3. and three. They win it 8-2 to two over the Cougars. So slow start for Jefferson. Uh and in this game, I think it came down to their early pitching and then Mossman kind of doing what Coach Grove talked about. Uh, late when you're already down, the Appleman had a run in the sixth and two runs in the seventh. Um, but looking back on this one, just an excellent performance from uh, Hartman on the mound. Seven innings, three hits, two runs score, but none of those were earned. Seven strikeouts, three walks. Uh, really good performance from him, Colin. Dylan Stevens hits a double, 12 hits for the team. Uh, this Musselman team playing the way we expected them to. You hold uh, Jefferson to just 3-for-25 at the plate. Uh, that's just not going to get it done. Hefner struggled a little bit early, settled in midway through. Um, but you know, you only struck out three times as a team at the plate if you're Musselman. So I think the Applemen are playing like the team we expected them to be, and uh, this team's really good. And that's clear at this point now that they've kind of got their arms loose and are – uh, ready to go out there on the mound. Yeah, I agree. And just looking at, as you already mentioned, uh, with Hartman, a very impressive day, seven strikeouts on the day. And then offensively for him, going two of four, having two runs, thanks to, uh, it looks like Boyles right behind him in the lineup, also going two of four. He had a two RBI day as well as Steven. So Smallsman team on a five-game win streak. And we mentioned just like Hedgesville at the beginning of the season, it's a team that has come back with a lot of experience up and down their roster, and it seems like they finally uh, put it together after an 0-3 start and are being the team that uh, we expected them to be. Yeah, I mean, when each of your top three guys get two hits, the only guys that don't get a hit are Myers and Bohr, and they still find ways to contribute in other aspects of the game. Uh, You know, that's just a really talented lineup there at Musselman. So they're playing good baseball. Jefferson... Uh, I think once they figure out their bats, they, they'll be much better. Um, yeah, you're not going to win pitching. many games when you only have three hits uh, compared to Musselman with 12 total. Right. So they're still a, a good program, but they're definitely not having the best of seasons to start things off. But I'm sure they'll recover things here at some point. Uh, Spring Mills, they bounce back. They get a win over Washington. And when you look back at it, Colin, this makes a lot of sense because of the situation with Washington pitching, potentially, maybe they had a different plan for the game. I mean, Semitic pitches well, but once you get into that bullpen, they kind of struggled, and you had to go to your bullpen earlier than you would have expected to in the win over Martinsburg. Uh, so you probably didn't have Connor Smith available and some of their other arms as well that they pitched against Martinsburg uh, due to the Colin Reed kind of arm tightness. Um, and, you know, you fall there to a spring mills team that you know finally got a good pitching performance from someone other than bromwell and uh cover goes out there on the mound five innings seven hits two runs one earned one strikeout you know he doesn't dominate with his strikeouts but six hits by the way not seven uh the spring mills game changer has seven so oh, i have it uh looking at washington it was six for cover and then three for bromwell so huh. i don't know yeah, I'll have to ask both teams. We'll, we'll go with whichever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but 
besides the point, you know, still a good outing there on the mound. Um, and you get a 7-2 win if you're Spring Mills, so you get a little bit to help out your pitching staff as well. And if they can continue to do that, they'll be a dangerous team. If not, uh, they may continue to struggle. But Spring Mills definitely improved from last year and a team you can't overlook here in the EPAC. No, it's it's definitely not. And they got to uh, Gill early, and all five runs that Gill had uh, given up there in the second and the third innings all earned. So it wasn't any mistakes by Washington, even though they did have four errors on the day. Those were all earned runs, so it's a great win for the uh, Cardinals to build off. Yeah, so, uh, you know, some real competitive baseball early on here in the EPAC. I have to double check to see if we had any softball yesterday. I got one, it looks like. Uh, I'll pull up Washington against uh, Spring Mills as the Patriots got a 8-1 win. Um, It was a one-hitter, so Washington uh, continuing to do well trying to look at looks like Ruffner got the win wow what a performance for her I just pulled this up seven innings the one hit one run it wasn't earned guess how many strikeouts in the seven innings uh 12 higher 15 higher 20 higher higher than 20 21 wow so all of the outs it looks like according to this or via strikeout that's incredible that is incredible yeah shout out to her yeah what what a game i'm speechless on it i I just (laughs) looked at that and i'm like is this correct because three times seven that's 21 so every single out in the game was a strikeout and only giving up one hit and the run i've heard of that happening a few times but it's not obviously very common uh also we had softball of course jefferson musselman went at it in softball and jefferson got the nine to one win holding the appleman to just two hits uh jefferson scores those nine runs on 13 hits as a team um so really good win for the cougars they continue to play well in the pack and that's what we expect out of this team so yep and then one final one it was uh hedgesville getting a 21 to 1 win over the martinsburg bulldogs last night okay i didn't realize that was last night's game but Good win for the Eagles. Good win for uh, Jefferson as well. But uh, some really impressive performances yesterday. So exciting time for high school baseball softball season. But that does it for this uh, segment. On the other side of this break, we'll talk about the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame class being announced along with uh, the MLB season starts tomorrow. Yep, this segment brought to you by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store anymore. Cabinets and design bedding, outdoor living, family-owned and operated. Visit them at 360 Hack Wilson Way in Martinsburg or go to Orsini's.com. We'll be back for more of the sports mix next right here on Talk Radio WRNR and TV10. You're tuned in to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740 and TV 10. We welcome you back to today's edition of the Sports Mix. You know, Colin, when you talk about the Basketball Hall of Fame, the classes are always either really good or just kind of mediocre and what i say that is because 
sometimes there's a lot of you know guys that were great college players but didn't turn out to be great pros or great uh, college coaches or just kind of average pros you know it's not a hall of fame where the classes are always this loaded yeah you, you always see a few guys and this is any sport that you're really like sure. is he truly a hall of famer and for the next week or so you see in the national media that argument or when the finalists come out you see should this guy really be a finalist is this guy deserving of the Hall of Fame, but you look at this year's uh, 2023 class for the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, and yeah, as you said, it's completely loaded, and every single one there is a home run for sure Hall of Famer, no questions asked in both of our minds, I believe. Yeah, so the uh, class looks like this. You have Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowinski, Greg Popovich, Pau Gasol, Tony Parker, and WNBA legend Becky Hammond. I'll get into the class of 2023. Um, I, I think there's a few interesting things about this class that I want to point out. One, you have D. Wade and Dirk's kind of connection as players. They both retired the same year, obviously going in here as first ballot Hall of Famers. Uh, but they also have the connection of playing against each other in the finals and kind of dictating each other's legacies in some ways. You know, D. Wade... Uh, winning over Dirk for his first championship and then Dirk upsetting the big three uh, in the Heat Heat Mavericks finals. Um, I think those guys kind of – that definitely submitted Dirk's legacy. I mean, he was already a Hall of Fame player, but that made him a a truly great player was winning that finals. And for D. Wade, you know, it started his finals career and winning a championship – and that's the one finals that he won where he was the best player. I know Shaq was on that team, but Shaq at that point in his career was not as good as he was with the Lakers. Um, and that was D. Wade's team. You would say the other teams were more LeBron's team, uh, even though D. Wade was there still uh, in some ways. And then the other thing that stands out is the international guys, Pau Gasol, Tony Parker, and Dirk really representing the transition of what the dream team did which was making the game big internationally and then these guys now being great players to come over from overseas is the reason why we have guys like Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic and so many great international players now and why the game of basketball is no longer just an American sport it is an international sport so I think this Hall of Fame class has a lot of great representation of stuff uh, and, and some interesting storylines. And, of course, Popovich being a legendary coach and him and Tony Parker getting to go in together is pretty cool. And then uh, Becky Hammond, you know, WNBA player, uh, really good player in her day in both college and professionally. So great class. Yeah, I completely agree. And we, we always talk about for Hall of Fame classes, maybe not always the NBA, but more so the other sports such as the MLB and the NFL uh it comes down to rings, right? That That's always the conversation that people will bring up is should this person be a Hall of Famer if they don't have a ring? Well, you can't say that for anybody in this uh, Hall of Fame class. They, they got plenty of championships. They got finals MVPs and all-star game appearances. So it's definitely a uh, very solid class, and congrats to all of them. All right, and Becky Hammond as well. She's a assistant coach for the Spurs currently, which I thought that's where I had maybe recognized her name. 
Um, yeah, and she, she was also a coach a with Spurs Vegas season. last year, and that's where she won her championship. She coached in the WNBA for right. the Vegas Aces, who won last year's championship. Yeah, she spent time as the Spurs assistant from 2014 mm-hmm. to 2022, so it's a heavy Texas class is what you were saying. Yeah, now, that's what I was saying. With the Mavericks being from Dallas and, of course, uh, Hammond's career as a coach with the Spurs, but, I mean, also a great player as well. So definitely a, a great class, but... Um, let's talk about baseball. Let's transition here. The season starts tomorrow, which means we'll do our typical picks that will probably be completely wrong because, well, we don't really know what these teams look like this year, but we just are going off of what we think they'll look like, which, as we know, injuries are going to occur. There will be trades and all sorts of stuff, but we'll kind of give our division picks, our wild card teams, and uh, who's going to be in the World Series and then ultimately who will win the World Series. So, Colin, uh, let's get it started. Do you want to start in the American League or the NL? Uh, let's do the American League. We're two American League guys here. All right, fair enough. So uh, we'll start in the AL East. Who's your uh, pick to win the division this year? Obviously, I'd love for it to be Baltimore. It's a young team with still the number one farm system, but i got to go with the Yankees and the talent that they still have, and I think that they win the division. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting division. Um, the Yankees would be probably the favorites. I think Toronto's got a good chance to finally get over the hump. So, you know, why not be a little bit bold here and go with the Blue Jays? But I think there's a good chance that three teams make it out of this division as playoff teams at least. And, uh, you know, Tampa's going to obviously be in the mix. Boston might be a little bit down, but, I mean, it's the best division in baseball usually – and I think it will be again this year. But I'll, I'll go with Toronto, mix things up a little bit, go with the Blue Jays. All right. How about the uh, Central? I'll let you start this time. Yeah, I mean, you look at the AL Central, it's really a cluster there. And it's kind of tough to decide, you know, which team do you think comes out of it. I would lean toward Cleveland. But I, I don't too. really love any of the teams in this division. I think they're all kind of close. Minnesota will probably compete uh but they didn't quite have the season that they were expecting last year and i think that could continue this year but i'm gonna go with the uh guardians yeah i'm I'm going with cleveland as well and i think the twins can make it close but you also you you can never count out the white Sox. i feel like too that's what a lot of people in the national media are saying it's finally going to be them but i I think you got to stick with cleveland yeah chicago's got a good team and i mean they'll be in the mix, uh, but they disappointed last year when mm-hmm. a lot of people were high on them. So, you know, we'll see. And then AL West. That's easy. We don't yeah. really need to go into it other than the Astros are going to win. Probably, yeah. I think Seattle, I mean, made a great run last year. They definitely got better. The Angels, they have the two best players in the world, but they can't seem to get over the hump. because right. I still have those two as wild card teams. You do? Okay, yes. that's interesting. Spoiler. Let's- Go ahead and jump into it then. So those two, Seattle and the Angels, I think uh, both are wild card teams. And then I also put in Baltimore. That's interesting. So you don't have Toronto in the playoffs. I do not. Or Tampa. Correct. Hmm. See, I, I would tend to disagree. I think the AL East is going to get uh, two of those wild card spots. So I'm going to go with um, Seattle is one. I think they get back in. In my scenario, I'm going to have the Yankees as a wild card team. And then 
you know, it's tough. You debate between the Orioles or the Red Sox, I guess, in my what I just said. So I'll give the Orioles the last spot with not a ton of confidence because I don't love the Orioles pitching, but I think if they're able to bring up some prospects kind of mid-season again and and continue to build on what they did, maybe that's enough momentum to get them over. But yeah, that um, and you don't know when Means will return and right, how John, good he's yeah, going. How good to is be, John Means going to be? Grayson Rodriguez didn't make the, the opening day team, but I still think they got a solid squad. Let's get to the NL in the East. That that's always a tough one. I got the Phillies winning the NL East. I'm going to go with the Mets, um, but it's definitely you know really tough division there NL East. Braves are obviously a team you got to consider. Washington, Miami are probably going to be bad again this year, but. Those other three teams are all pretty close. I'm going to go with the Mets, though. All right. The Central, I got the Cardinals. Yeah, I think that's the Cardinals division. Both the AL and NL Central are kind of the weakest, in my opinion, usually. Yeah, it's always, I feel like, just two-team races right now. And we already mentioned the two in the East. I guess you could throw in the Braves there, maybe. But in the Central, it's either the Cardinals or probably Milwaukee. Right. And then the West, do the Padres finally do it? I, I have the Dodgers, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, you got to go with the Dodgers. I, I think San Diego's got a great team, but it just it, it seems like the Dodgers are always the team in the NL West, and they're going to be the team that's willing to make those moves at the deadline uh, to get better. I mean, we know San Diego will do that too, apparently, but I think if the Dodgers need something, they'll go out and get in. They'll give up as much as they can to make that team great but i mean with the full season of juan soda that could be something that helps the padres but i think the dodgers win the west so who are your three wild cards let's go quickly since we're getting short on time and still have a segment to do san diego philadelphia and then i gotta figure out my last one i guess i'll go with the giants i got the padres the mets and the braves okay and then world series i'm gonna go hmm I'm going to go San Diego gets it. Or no, I'm going to go with the Mets winning over the American League uh, Astros. Okay. I I got the Phillies and the Yankees, and I think the uh, Phillies get it done this year. Okay. I I like what they've done in the offseason. Could be. Bryce Harper's going to have to come back from injury and give him a big lift. That's going to be tough. So we'll have to wait and see. But should be an interesting uh, MLB season. Yes, it should. This segment brought to you by Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. They became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more. We'll be back for our final segment of the Sports Mix after this. So don't go anywhere. You're tuned in to Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Three. do it this final segment of the sports mix brought to you by the Mirius group and ameriprise financial advisors john everson and phil mccoy call them at 304-263-4343 or stop by their offices at 1270 winchester avenue in martinsburg Hall mclaughlin alongside me is nick versalini for our final few minutes of the sports mix yeah colin i am here and the nfl has uh made some changes yeah they- some Simple changes. I mean, nothing that really surprises you out of the uh, 17 um, 
I guess, additions or requests that were submitted by teams in the uh, rules committee for changes, but ones that you can just look at and be like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, they're going to add the uh, jersey number zero to teams now, so uh, players can now wear that number. And then um, the other thing is that they'll have some changes in the Thursday night football schedule. Teams can now play two short week games in a season um and the other thing is it doesn't count if you have like that thursday thanksgiving game and then they give you the thursday game the next week um that doesn't count as a short week so you could ultimately see your team play three thursday night games which i don't think any of us really want to see that because i don't really like thursday night football i don't even watch it that much but sam it I, is I do a prime time opportunity on, but yeah it, I wanted to see some of the more fun roles potentially, and maybe if the XFL lets it shine and actually sticks around, we're going to see more of those roles. One of them being the instead of the onside kick, you see a team uh, for the NFL, it was a fourth and 20 from their own 20. If they convert it, they get the ball. But some just changes like that to make the game more for the fans, I guess, is my thought process. Yeah, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of that or not. Um, I don't think I would be. But I guess the onside kick is so unlikely to happen that maybe they could do something about that. But also, if you get into a situation when you need an onside kick, I don't know if you deserve to win the game or not. I mean, it's kind of a 50-50 there. I feel like a 4th and 20 is way easier than an onside yep, kick. So already you need some over sort of our good time, balance. unfortunately, this is WRNR Martinsburg. <laughs>